Kevin Porter Jr. absolutely on fire from behind the three-point line in this game, but unfortunately it wasn't enough as the Rockets fall to the New Orleans Pelicans for the second straight meeting between these two teams, 110-97. to Turnovers, missed easy shot opportunities is what did the Rockets in. Can you guess which Rocket starter finished with the highest usage rating in this game and which Rocket starter finished with the lowest usage rating in this one? We're going to break it all down for you right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. As always, appreciate you making your make. Appreciate you for making Locked On Rockets your first listen each and every day. Now, I'm going to be talking about this Rockets Pelicans game. Rockets falling for the second straight game to the New Orleans Pelicans, 110 to 97. Kevin Porter Jr. absolutely on fire in this game, 27 points on seven of 12 shooting from behind the three-point line. KPJ was, uh, you know, on a roll from distance in this one. We're going to talk about the, uh, going to talk about his game. I'm going to talk about Jalen Green and his growth as an offensive decision maker. And even though sometimes the shots aren't going in, that we're seeing the growth out of him on that side of the basketball. And we're seeing him make the right decisions and right reads consistently. We're going to talk about who had the highest usage rating on the Rockets in this game, as well as who had the lowest usage rating. Can you guess who those two players are and why we're going to talk about them? Uh, and then also in the third segment, I want to get into a little bit of the trades around the NBA. Uh, CJ McCollum headed to the New Orleans Pelicans. DeMontis Sabonis headed to the Sacramento Kings. Tyrese Halliburton headed out east to the Indiana Pacers. Going to kind of get into some of those uh, trade thoughts in segment three. But where I want to start right now is with Kevin Porter Jr. Because throughout this whole season, this, you know, the Rockets organization has made it a priority to nurture and grow and develop Kevin Porter Jr. this year. And, and at points throughout the season, I had my doubts, to be completely honest, as to whether or not it was truly going to pan out with KPJ as the, you know, quote unquote, point guard of the future. And even at times, I wondered if KPJ, you know, if them prioritizing KPJ's development so much was at times having an adverse effect on Jalen Green's development because they weren't highlighting him enough. They weren't utilizing him enough. They weren't featuring him enough as the number two overall pick. And I, I still think that's kind of the case to this point, but it's starting to pay off with KPJ. We're starting to see the trends and the development a a over these last, you know, 15 or so games. It's mainly been the turnovers and the playmaking that we've been highlighting, but hands down one of the best developments for KPJ this season on the year, 
he is now sitting at just under 37% shooting from behind the three-point line. And over these last 15 games, since you know the January 1st, New Year's, New Year's Day incident at halftime, since coming back for, you know, gets suspended for the one game and then comes back and hits the game winner against Washington. In that 15 game stretch since then, he is shooting a skosh over 42% from behind the three point line on how many attempts a game was this? I want to make sure. Uh, on just over six attempts a night, that is a, becoming a pretty decent sample size. And if KPJ can keep this shooting up through the end of the season, then I think we can confidently think you know or confidently say that KPJ is is really developing into a you know consistent albeit you know elite three-point shooter and that's exactly what you want to see out of him because having that three ball you know in his in, you know in his favor on a nightly basis is what opens up so much of the rest of his game it's what opens up his ability to drive which therefore opens up his ability to score at the rim to unlock his mid-range game a little bit to create for his teammates to utilize that scoring gravity to make life easier for him as the point guard now i will say that in this game KPJ did have his highest turnover to total in a while um he finished with seven turnovers in this one it's his most turnovers he hasn't but he hasn't cracked five turnovers since all the way back in December. So this is his first, or I apologize. He did have one five turnover game uh, against the Golden State Warriors. My bad there. And he had a six turnover game. I glazed over those. Um, but that being said, the seven turnovers, you'd like to see that be a little bit better. That's kind of, uh, you know, what was one of the other issues in this game for the Houston Rockets was just turning the ball over incessantly. The team finished with 21 turnovers to the tune of 25 warrior or not warriors points. I'm getting all flipped up with my, with my names now. That's what I, that's what I get for looking at basketball reference, like mid podcast, <laughs> 21 turnovers to the tune of 25 Pelicans points in this one. And if, if I had to like summarize the theme of this game, it has to be the Rockets shooting themselves in their own foot because the Pelicans by, did not play a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination. They only shot 25% from behind the three-point line. The Pelicans themselves had 19 turnovers. Like, it, you know, the Pels didn't play, didn't have like a master class of a game. The Rockets, for all intents and purposes, should have absolutely been in this game, but they had so many opportunities where they were just missing bunnies at the rim or wide open shots. The Rockets with just you know, 37% shooting from the floor, 31% shooting from three. And sometimes that's what it boils down to. Like, especially when the shot quality at times is really good for the Rockets, then, you know, all you can do is just, you know, sometimes the shots just aren't going in. And the turnovers are definitely a concern. And that's something that Steven Silas has been harping on that he wants to see cut down significantly. Uh, so the the 21 turnovers, and again, the, the seven specifically from KPJ, uh, I don't want to make, you know, I don't want to, you know, blow it out of proportion. KPJ has been really, really great as of late about not turning the basketball over. I think this was just a case of at times doing a little bit too much in this game, right? Just, you know, trying to, you know, thread the needle in certain areas, trying to make things happen that weren't exactly there at times, really trying to force the issue offensively rather than kind of slowing things down, letting the game kind of progress and evolve naturally. But 
it was a great sign to see KPJ on fire from behind the three-point line. The 7 of 12 three-point shooting is a is a season high. The 7 made triples. The 27 points is a season high for KPJ. Obviously not a career high because we know what KPJ's career high looks like uh, going for 50 against the Milwaukee Bucks. But 9 of 16 overall shooting, had his three rebounds, had five assists, did have a steal mixed in there. An overall really solid night for KPJ. Again, you'd like to see those turnovers cut down uh, by about three or four uh, so that he's not finishing, you know, above, you know, with, with seven of them. But other than that, an, an encouraging night from KPJ. And it's good to see that he can still, when he needs to, you know, explode and put the basketball in the hole. We haven't seen that in a while from KPJ because he's been so intent and so focused on being the primary facilitator for this Rockets team. It's felt like he's really only ever stepped in and, and had to take over the scoring burden down the stretch in some of these games, you know, fourth quarter Porter, if you will. And so it was kind of cool to see him have a night where, okay, nobody else has it going. Let me just step up and, and drill multiple threes to start the game. And, and let me just kind of carry the offense on my shoulders through this one. So coming up, I want to get into uh, talking a little bit about usage ratings and which players were at the top of that spectrum in this Rockets game and which players were at the bottom of the spectrum in this game, as well as just kind of a little bit of the game flow. And then segment three, we'll get into uh, some of the big trades taking place around the NBA. Some of my thoughts on those but first a quick message from our friends over at prize picks because if you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the nba you've got to check out the award-winning app prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy you're gonna love it i know you will you've got to check it out it's so easy to use you pick two to five players and an over under over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times back on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy price picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals use the award-winning app on both the app store and google play Look, when it comes to prize picks, they don't just offer NBA. They have options on college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. For a limited time, prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Listeners get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores just a single point. And all you got to do is use promo code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available for Locked on Rockets listeners. Sign up today and use code NBA. $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores just a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And the Locked on NBA podcast is going to be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get live analysis of every blockbuster move. You know I'm going to be there if the Rockets make a move, so be sure to check it out. It's always good fun. I hosted it last year. Do not want to miss out on the live trade deadline show. So let's keep talking about this Rockets-Pelicans game. A little bit of the game flow in this one. I mean, the Rockets jumped out to a super early lead, and then the Pelicans kind of roared back in this game at the end of the first quarter, uh, took the lead 35-30, built on that lead in the second quarter, went into halftime with a, a, a double-digit uh, comfortable 11-point lead, and basically never let go of the lead the rest of the game. Like, every single time, the Rockets cut it to, to eight points, six points, you know, it, it just trimming the lead, kind of fighting their way, you know, getting back into the game, and it was always 
you know, turnover, missed shot, answer from the Pelicans, just every single time down the floor. And so a, a lot of the issues in this game for the Rockets were self-inflicted. It wasn't for lack of trying. It wasn't for lack of hustle. Um, there was a there was a series in this game, a series of possessions in this game where Garrison Matthews, God, I just Garrison Matthews is all hustle all the time. He had like single handedly in one possession had like two or three offensive rebounds. How many? How many did they actually credit him with? Okay, well he finished with four offensive rebounds. It was like one single possession where Garrison Matthews was credited for two or three offensive boards in a row, and the Rockets just could not buy themselves a bucket. And by the by the end, you know, you see Garrison Matthews, he's just like slamming his fists on the floor because the Rockets just could not buy a bucket. They couldn't get anything to go despite all the hard work trying to, you know, secure those second chance opportunities. And it was just one of those kinds of games. There was just an absolute lid on the basket for practically everybody on the floor, not named Kevin Porter Jr. Honestly, like you just go down the the lineup, and I mean, C. Wood was three of eight from three point shooting. Alper and Shingun was zero of two. KPJ was seven of twelve. Jalen Green was two of seven because they decided to revoke one of his three pointers because he stepped out of bounds early. The ver- the very first three that he hit in this game, uh, you know, the bin- the Rockets bench was a combined what? What is this? Math is hard. Combined one for eleven three point shooting. Like just it was just rough, rough basketball all around in this game. Shots were not going in, and I will say. Uh, where I want to, where I want, I want to keep going. I want to highlight another positive here, and then I'll go into some negativity because there, I had some frustrations watching this game, namely with Christian Wood. Uh, Jalen Green, despite you know not having you know a flashy numbers night, just twelve points, uh, five of twelve shooting, so two of seven from behind the arc. I already highlighted that. Missed his only free throw attempt. Uh, had three boards, had four assists, had a steal, and only one turnover. The offensive decision-making from Jalen Green has gotten so much better. And that's, like, collectively, like, ignoring the shooting numbers, because shooting will come and go with time, right? Like, shoot, you will die, you will be in shooting slumps up and down throughout your entire career, unless you're one of, like, the all-time great shooters. And even then, sometimes all-time great shooters fall into a funk i.e. Steph Curry for the month of January. So that said, shooting will come and go. But seeing the decision-making that Jalen Green is developing offensively, making the right reads, making the right decisions of when to drive the basketball, who to kick the basketball to, how to operate in the pick and roll, reading when guys go under the screen and deciding to take those shots rather than hesitating like he was earlier in the season, seeing him have that growth on that side of the basketball is great because again, that's that's what this season is about. And I, I I urge you, if you're watching all of these games, don't just pay attention and watch to see if the ball is going in the bucket, right? Like that's that's casual level basketball. I'm sorry. And I don't mean to be like offensive with that. I'm just saying, like, for the people clamoring for Jalen Green's not developing, he's not growing. Yes, he is. Like you, you're you're seeing it on a nightly basis, but you've really got to watch for what he's doing in this game. He had multiple drives in this game where he made the exact right read, kicked it out to the next shooter, got the open shot for the Rockets offense, and then clank right off the right off the iron. So 
you know, that's all he can do, right? Is if Jalen Green is making the right decisions and the right reads for himself and for his teammates, that's all you can expect out of him. And sometimes the shots are going to go in and sometimes they're not going to go in. It's that simple. But in this game, I was incredibly encouraged by how Jalen Green was reading the offense and the decision-making that he had in this game. Jalen Green finished with the second highest assist percentage on the team, uh, just behind Kevin Porter Jr. Jalen Green finished with a 23.5 uh, percent, percent assist percentage in this game. And uh, that's impressive, considering the fact that of the Rockets starters, Jalen Green finished with the lowest usage rating. So just a 16% usage rating for Jalen Green in this game. Can you guess who had the highest usage rating in this game? That would be one Christian Wood at a staggering 28.9% usage rating in this one. Uh, conversely, Christian Wood had just a 5.3% assist rating in this one. Just pretty rough, pretty, pretty rough from Christian Wood. And that's where some of my frustrations lie because ultimately, you know, I harped on this during the game, but Christian Wood has to lead the league in possessions where nobody else touches the basketball because he gets the rebound, comes down the floor, and he either goes into a three-pointer or a drive or, you know, uh, you know, a post-up opportunity. And at no point does anybody else touch the basketball. And I'm sorry, Christian isn't that good of a player to do that, to like ice everybody else out of the offense. And I will say, like, look, sometimes it works, right? Sometimes it works and sometimes he gets to the free throw line and like, you know, good things happen. But other times it's just, it's forced shot opportunities and it takes everybody else out of the flow of the offense. Nobody else is touching the basketball and you're not, Giannis, you're not LeBron, you're not James Harden, you're not Luka, like, I'm sorry, get other guys involved in the offense. Christian Wood could very easily average five, six, seven assists a night if he would just survey the court and be aware of where his teammates were at before dropping his head down and barreling into the defense. The play that really set me off last night was with about little under two minutes to go in the game. And yeah, like the side note here that really ticked me off is the Rockets were playing like they lost this game from like the four or five minute mark of the fourth quarter. Like the body language was bad. Guys were kind of like, you know, hanging their heads, like, you know, kind of moping up and down the court. And that's not a lot of, we haven't seen that a lot out of this Rockets team. Like largely they fight tooth and nail to the end of these games. But the body language in this one really annoyed me at the end of this one because they could have very easily fought their way back into this had they just like actually locked in and played some solid defense and not let Brandon Ingram get whatever he want, wanted offensively. They kind of got in their heads a little bit with the referees. Um, I will admit there were some really annoying calls in this game on, on both sides. Like the refs were, it were in their bag. Jonas Valanciunas had some complaints to be had. Jay Sean Tate had some complaints to be had. Al P had some, like ev everybody was ticked off with the officials in this game. That said, the Rockets could have easily been back in this game, but with two under two minutes to go, games like you know, kind of you know, lo almost a lost cause at this point. So I can't harp on it too much. But Rockets bring the ball up. Christian Wood is like just at the three-point line, just like hands down, like give me the ball. And KPJ is on the other wing, wide open. There's one defender in between KPJ and Wood. And as soon as the pass comes to Wood, that defender has to cut Christian Wood off. So KPJ is wide open in the corner. 
And at that point, he was 7 of 11 shooting from the from behind the three-point line. KPJ is on fire from long distance. And Christian Wood just gets the pass and immediately barrels into the paint. Doesn't look to swing it to the, to the next guy on the wing. Doesn't look to kick it to the next man. Just barrels straight in. He draws the foul. He gets to the free throw line, sure. But not hitting your teammate who is on fire from behind the three-point line on a, for a wide-open shot in the corner is just basketball malpractice. I'm sorry. And KPJ immediately had like a, you know, he was in the corner and he kind of had like a, like, you know, rolled his, you know, rolled his eyes, you know, shrugged his shoulders, spun on his heel. Like, come on, man, I was wide open. And there were multiple opportunities throughout this game where you can go back and watch Christian Wood. Um, multiple, you know, multiple screenshots are floating around on Twitter where you can see Christian Wood has Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. wide open all throughout this game. Multiple opportunities, Garrison Matthews wide open. And instead, we'll we'll drive and try to make a move in, in between two, three defenders sometimes. And again, yeah, sometimes it ends in a foul call with Christian Wood going to the free throw line. Sometimes he's able to just rise up over the defense and score because he's that talented, sure. And then other times it ends in a bad shot or a turnover. Like, it's limiting those bad possessions, and he could turn those into so much better quality possessions for the team and play really great team basketball and get his teammates quality shots, and he just doesn't, and it's frustrating. And that's one of the reasons that, at this point, uh, I'd rather see Christian Wood uh, be shipped out of the trade deadline. Yeah, you know, it's it's that simple. I, I you know, I, I don't think Christian Wood is conducive to team-oriented basketball, and however much, you know, the players talk about how much they enjoy his presence, how much they enjoy, you know, him being around him, all of that, that the locker room vibes are immaculate, all that stuff it's got to wear on them. Like it's got to be frustrating. And, and those little nuances, those moments on the court, they show, right? Like we see players reacting and, and, you know, holding their hands out, like he's open, like hit him with the pass, you know, th those moments. So th those are my points and takeaways from this Pelicans game. It's, it, you know, a frustrating loss. Rockets could have absolutely won this game. And, and it, you know, it would have been sweet to win this game after losing to the Pelicans on their home court. But coming up, I do want to talk a little bit about, the trades around the NBA and kind of uh, some general thoughts on the moves being made. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, when it comes to the new year, if you're going through your New Year's resolutions right now, if you're trying to cut back a little bit, Built Bar can help you because it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Honestly, it's better than a candy bar because one, they've got so many incredible flavors to choose from strawberry, mint brownie, cookies and cream, peanut butter, my personal favorite coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu. Every single bar is low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. Amazing if you're trying to stick to your New Year's resolutions. And you can check them out. Just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Make a little bit of money with Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, navigating a little bit away from the Houston Rockets here just to take a look at the league at large and I'll tie this back into the Houston Rockets here, but uh, the two biggest deals are CJ McCollum headed to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, that's why we wound up not seeing 
Uh, that's, that's why we wound up not seeing a big chunk of Pelicans players in this game. Uh, Josh Hart, uh, and Nikhil Alexander Walker specifically, uh, who just played against the Rockets in Houston in the first meeting between these two teams, uh, as well as Thomas Sadaransky and Nikhil, Al- or uh, sorry, I, I apologize, Didi Luzada uh, and a future first round pick and two future second round picks going to the Blazers. Uh, but the Pelicans picking up CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell. Um, first off, I love this pickup for uh, the Pelicans. I think that you know, if they ever get Zion Williamson back in their lineup, they could be, uh, you know, a really interesting team here in the Southwest division and in the Western conference. And, you know, maybe we'll see what kind of push they're going to make in the West over the course of the rest of this season. But Herb Jones, CJ McCollum, uh, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas, Nikhil, or, you know, not, I apologize, not Nikhil Alexander Walker being shipped out, but, you know, a really interesting uh, core for the Pelicans, it'll be really interesting to see how they how they move forward from here. CJ McCollum a little bit older than the rest of that uh, that young core, so kind of TBD there. The Trailblazers are very clear; like all the angles are suggesting that they're trying to uh, you know formulate a, a true retooling around Damian Lillard, but some of it just the optics do not look great on it. If Dame is signing off on all these moves and he, and if he's going to try and, you know, recruit heavily this summer, the Blazers are reportedly going to have up to like 60 million in cap room, potentially this, this upcoming off season to sign a, a big name free agent or a couple different guys to try and pair with Dame. I mean, I guess that's the route they're going to go, but things do not look great in Portland right now. And then the other big deal, uh, and this one was the surprising one uh, to me was, uh, the Sabonis Halliburton trade. So the Pacers trading Sabonis, uh, Demonte Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday, and a 2027 second round pick to the Kings for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. One, holy crap, are the Kings being the most Kangsy version of themselves with this trade? I mean, to move on from Tyrese Halliburton, who has, like, to me, future like star potential although i mean he is such a talented individual he was like leading the league in points per possession i believe if i'm not mistaken um just i thought this was an absurd trade for the kings and they're clearly under some you know upper management edict to try and really push and make the playoffs this season and i kind of think it speaks to the market value of De'Aaron fox the fact that they weren't able to move De'Aaron fox this deadline and instead had to move Tyrese Halliburton and even then the you know Fox and Sabonis defensively is kind of a gigantic question mark Uh, I love this move for the Pacers though I think they come away as just bandits in this one and between Sabonis and Turner I think Sabonis is kind of the more talented player right now but I think Turner is the easier player to build around and I think the Pacers made the right decision in moving Sabonis and really kind of angling themselves toward their future uh, with the pickup of Halliburton and, and Buddy Heald's not bad either. That contract is eh, kind of whatever. But uh, as far as these two trades are concerned, one, that takes the Kings off the market as what I thought is, you know, a potential Christian Wood trade destination. Um, not that they couldn't still maybe, you know, make a move for Wood to pair him with Sabonis in that front court. But then you're looking at, again, a, a defensive dumpster fire of a team. So maybe Rashawn Holmes is on the way out now. If you're 
the Sacramento Kings. And that also kind of weakens the market for Christian Wood, unfortunately, because if there's a team out there that would potentially be looking for a center or even potentially like a, you know, a, a secondary center in a Daniel Tice type, uh, if, if Rashawn Holmes is on the market because Sabonis is now in Sacramento, then that just makes things harder for, for Christian Wood or Daniel Tice to potentially find a new home for the Houston Rockets. And then similarly to the situation with um, Karis LeVert going to the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think that kind of sets the bar for the market for Eric Gordon. But looking around now at the rest of the pieces, this trade deadline, the guys who are, you know, understandably on the trade block, you know, with, you know, almost less than a day to go until the trade deadline officially hits, Eric Gordon and like Jeremy Grant are like the two top names uh, that could potentially still be moved if the Sixers are hell-bent on keeping Ben Simmons. Uh, and if the Nets are supposedly not trading James Harden, then you move past those two big names and there's not really any other rumors of any other big names being moved. So the impact players left here at the deadline are Jeremy Grant and Eric Gordon. So that could actually do the Rockets a huge favor by having the market kind of shift towards those two remaining names as as guys that teams could be taking a look at to try and make a significant push in the playoffs or to try to solidify their roster and round things out headed into the postseason. It sounds like Thaddeus Young and the Spurs are going to be working towards a buyout. He was another interesting kind of veteran name that I was wondering if the Spurs were going to try and flip here at the deadline and, and receive a little bit of value back for. But if if he's just going to walk away as a buyout candidate, one, whatever team gets Thad Young as a buyout is going to be like, that's going to be great for them. Um, and then two, you know, again, that just clears the way for the Rockets to make a splash with Eric Gordon if they, if they can. And, you know, EG still sitting out with the day-to-day -day plantar fasciitis, all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, is it, is it a real injury? Is he just sitting out because, the Rockets are putting him on ice until the trade deadline, trying to see what they can get back for him. All of that, I, you know, I don't know. But at this point, um, you know, I, I have resigned myself that the Rockets probably aren't going to be able to find a deal for Christian Wood. It, it sounds like the market isn't uh, that high on Christian Wood at this point. And, you know, if the Rockets have an internal belief that he's worth more than just one first-round draft pick or one future first-round draft pick, then they'd probably be better off to hold Christian Wood until this summer, even though I had my Christian Wood rant in segment two, I still don't want the Rockets to flip him for, you know, less than a, you know, a suboptimal return, honestly, at this deadline. So no need to rush away from Christian Wood. You know, they can still utilize him the back half of the season and they can try to move him, you know, this summer draft night, what have you going into next season. Uh, the bird rights on Christian Wood are a big one that I've mentioned here on this podcast before any team that potentially wants to secure his services, uh, you know, I'd, I'd definitely be interested in looking at that. The Pel I would still very much keep my eyes on the uh, on the Charlotte Hornets as far as just Christian Wood's potential fit there. P.J. Washington continues to be a name that's thrown about the rumor mill heading into this trade deadline. So I'd absolutely keep my eyes on the Hornets as a potential suitor for Christian Wood. Also, I come back to the Toronto Raptors would be a team that makes a lot of sense for Christian Wood and would be able to uh, highlight his talent specifically. Eric Gordon, you know, at this point, I don't know what the Rockets are going to do with EG. I've, I've almost kind of resigned myself to the fact that they may just not move him uh, if they feel that they can get a better deal for him this upcoming summer. 
I think that's a mistake. I think it'd be malpractice to not move Eric Gordon this this trade deadline, but we'll see. Um, it'll be a very interesting trade deadline. We're gonna have a trade deadline primer episode out for you uh, coming out. You know, it should be out Wednesday evening. Uh, hoping to get that out earlier than than Thursday morning, so that it has a little, little bit of a longer shelf life on it. But that's gonna do it for today's episode. As always, appreciate you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check out the show on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked On Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Jalen Green. You should have the ball in his hands more, right? Let me know what you think in the comments on the YouTube channel. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.